This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. And it feels tacked on, gratuitous. By that time, like I said, you're an hour and a half in. You've already seen a movie. (laughs) So that's my quibble with it. But as long as it's with those characters and those people, it's a lot of fun. And it's all set in Washington. That's always fun to see Washington being filmed. And and in this case, it's in the 80s. And that's, that's kind of an extra little piquant note, as we say in the trade. I was in Washington in the 80s. Maybe I'll recognize myself as a younger man. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. I'm alone in my house. Well, not alone. Carol's upstairs and Chessie is sitting on the top of the couch looking out the window, getting ready to bark at whatever goes by. Um, But Michael is still in South Carolina and will be in South Carolina for a couple of days at least. Um, So we're going to do the show a little bit differently. And I wanted to talk about this. I, I understand now. I mean, in the last week, we had Liz Clark on, A Familiar Voice, and Ann Hornaday, and Gary, and Jeannie, you know, and sort of Familiar Voices. Chris is going to be on in a second, and I understand uh, how much everybody likes the regulars and these Familiar Voices. I underestimated that. I did. And I overestimated sitting alone in a house, not with people sitting around where you could pick up verbal, you know, visual cues from people and have real conversations. I overestimated how important it would be to pivot the show and make it more linear so that I could do it by myself. I overestimated that. And I've listened to a lot of people who've written emails and I know they don't represent, you know, any significant portion of the show. A very, very small group of people actually reach out to you in terms of, of percentages. But they were all sort of united on the fact that when they heard people whose voices they cherished, how much they liked it. So I think what I would say is I underestimated the need for community, which is odd because I'm always talking about, you know, how how it reaches out the spider web that connects us all. And I underestimated that. And I'll try not to do that again. Content is good, but exclusivity of content doesn't really help you. And to that end, uh, Chris is joining us now. And before we talk, and we're going to talk obviously about the transition in government, if it ever happens. But more importantly, I think Chris uses one of our sponsor's products and seems to love the solo stove. Can you tell me about this? Tony, let me just say two quick things. One, I knew that if I waited long enough, people would miss me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just... It's comedy. Comedy is tragedy plus time, baby. Uh, And two, yes, I... I love the solo stove so much that not only did I purchase it without the code because I'm an idiot and I bought it before solo stove was a sponsor of this show Uh, for Christmas. My main present, I'm not joking. This is deadly serious. My main present was a, for my wife was a large wood stacking um, sort of apparatus, a thing that you can stack wood on. Yeah. And a third accord, third cord of wood. This is how they right. count wood. I obviously know that because I'm an outdoorsman. Uh, but, yeah, they have cords, um, yeah. Yes, a third cord of wood. So I have wood stacked everywhere. And every night I go out to my solo stove out in my backyard and I sit there and I, I ponder existential dread. It's a wonderful uh, – I, I cannot recommend the solo stove uh, uh, strongly enough. My wife – does did not come out when I had just a regular old fire pit because the smoke bothered her contacts <laughs> get tougher and <laughs> I uh, and uh. but now she comes out because there is literally no smoke I it makes me feel for the first time in my life like I'm a I'm a real man you know I'm out there with a fire burning things George, uh, let me let me go over a couple of things here. sure absolutely and, and I totally agree in getting your wife. As a present, an apparatus to stack wood. Apparatus but to in, stack wood. That's what the that's what the real technicians call it, Tone. Right, but if <laughs> you know, 
as part of that gift, did instructions come along which sort of went like this? So just bring the wood when we're ready to go. So just pick it up, yeah. bring it out, and when we're ready to go, give me the wood. Well, right? is it, that- it said this is where the wood goes, and I eventually figured that out. It was not <laughs> a lot of levers and pulleys involved. And I will note that I didn't – uh, the the wood was provided and stacked by a third party. I can't well, I know, do I know. that sort I know of thing. My goes. delicate hands, you know. I mean, right. my hands. Are so, made but for there's no. Time. How can there be like this? Okay, this is how stupid I am. I just sort of do the reads, you know, and I don't. I don't even. <laughs> He's going to read questions. whatever's on the prompter. Pretty much. Pretty much. I'm a show monkey. I understand that. But so it uses because when it said all you need is a little bit of fire starter. Yeah. In my mind, I actually thought nothing burned like it was sort of on the concept of a gas grill oh no you know that nothing burned but you're saying it does burn wood oh. well how can there be no smoke did you see the picture i sent you last night is literally yes, it's, a raging it's inferno yes but My how wife, can there be no smoke okay it, uh, <laughs> let, me, well, how? let me explain this as scientifically as possible <laughs> um there's a uh, something that goes on inside it that pushes the smoke straight up. There Down. is smoke. There is right. smoke, but it does not. It channels directly straight forward. So if you're standing, if I was leaning my face over the solo stuff, which would be a bad idea, uh, <laughs> it, it you would get some smoke. But if you are sitting anywhere with it, you know, I mean, if you were sitting a foot or two away from it, the smoke you is don't pushing straight up. It's. Okay. It's remarkable, and it, the other thing that's good for me is it's incredibly easy. You start with a little tinder, you light the tinder, then you just dump logs in there. My wife is always yelling at me because she thinks that I'm going to start a forest fire because I just put like no. 30 logs in there. It's great. Oh, no. oh, oh so, okay. So thank you for that, and that's that's sort of that's sort Does of the celebrity Gary have endorsement. Stories like that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know. Gary now, who? Michael. So Michael brought the solo stove down to South Carolina. When he gets back, we'll find out how it worked down I'm, there. If I'm the change in geography mine, caused the smoke to be different, I don't I know. I am bringing mine to a little place called Rehoboth, where I really, be, where I will be heading for a few days at the end of this week. You don't know this. I'm staying at your place. No, well, that's okay. We, we rented a place, and I'm bringing it. I am portable. I am bringing the solo stove to Delaware, so I can report whether it, its magic works across a state line. All right. Yeah. So let me let me get to the that was an area of expertise that I cared about. This is as well the political question. I have like a few questions. To be honest, I have paid very little attention in the last three or four weeks to politics just because I blindly have faith that things will work out <laughs> by January 20th. And maybe I'm wrong. There's your maybe mistake. I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But I would ask. Where physically, where is the president of the active president of the United States now? Sure. And has he just has he just checked out? Yes, has he checked out? Florida and 100 um, percent. Right. He is he is at Mar-a-Lago uh, or as you call it, the Southern White House, as he calls it. Um, right. He yeah, he's a, he is effectively checked out. Yes. I mean, w- what he does every day is not dissimilar to you other than you host a radio show he goes on twitter and then you both try to play golf i mean that's basically I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what he does uh he has right. played golf every day him. he's been down there good um yeah i mean i don't really it, given the alternative honestly in terms of his his chaos creation golf being 18 holes on the golf course is not not a bad idea um, he, he largely, the, the big story at the moment and has been for weeks is this idea of the, the government was going to shut down today, uh, run out well, of He money. signed the bill. He didn't want to sign and it he, and he signed it. Exactly. He, so he Why? signed a bill that basically gives more money to people struggle, uh, 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 the economy and more people who are struggling with COVID. Uh, I don't mean struggling with the disease. I mean struggling with the the impacts of it yep. as it relates to the economy and keeps the government open. Uh, he signed it because he said he was getting what he wants, which is the Senate is going to investigate voter fraud, of which there is none. Um, right. At least not, I should say none that I am or any lawyer or any court is aware of um, and that they are going to vote on 
$2,000 stimulus checks rather than $600 stimulus checks. Now, it is important to remember that this deal, the original deal, was entirely negotiated in conjunction with the administration. Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, was the guy who helped negotiate it. At the last minute, after the deal was struck and everyone thought, okay, done, you know, Congress left, Trump went to Florida, the bill was sitting there for him to sign, he suddenly said, well, I don't want to give about $600, I want to give out $2,000, which is a huge difference, uh, you know, in terms of spending the spending of the bill. And everyone was like, what? And he kind of held out for that about five days, and then he capitulated over the weekend on uh, Sunday night. Uh, it's like he he got he got beaten on this. I mean, he got nothing for this five days other than he delayed some of the things like the extension of unemployment insurance that don't matter to him but matter to other regular people. Um, and now he is sort of back to he has sort of popped his head up, did that, got nothing from it, and is now back to golfing and encouraging people to show up on January sixth. Um, for a big Trump rally, which is also the same day that Congress comes back and is the day right. after these two runoffs in Georgia that will decide which party controls the Senate. So that, that's Can I ask? At. Let me ask the obvious question, and I think the question that most people have. No, we're not which doing is, Stonehenge tomorrow. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, has he accepted that Joe Biden will be the next president mm. of the United States? Has yeah, he accepted ish. that? Ish. Ish. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he. I don't anticipate him barricading barricading himself in the Oval Office on I'm, January twentieth and refusing to leave. I, I also don't anticipate him ever conceding or acknowledging in any way to say I lost. Um, the most he'll do is just kind of leave uh, and then run. What amounts to a sort of shadow presidency as he decides whether right. he wants to run again in 2024 and honestly, more importantly for him than running again, finds a way to make more money because he needs to make more money uh, because he has $400 million in self-guaranteed loans coming due over the next two to four years. So so the making money part is the central thing. As I said to you, I think via text, the Don Olmeyer when you have a question yeah. that you don't know the answer to, it's the money. answer is yes, always money. It's always money. That is the case here, too. The answer okay. is money. He needs money. He needs another revenue stream. The way to make that happen maybe is to start a TV network, maybe is to take over a TV network, but is definitely to stay relevant in sort of the national conversation. The headline and the lead story in the Washington Post today, which I will read, is Biden accuses White House of hindering his team. Is there mm. no cooperation? Is there little very, to Very, very little. Remember that there was a big – I mean, this is insane. Let, let me say that at the start, uh, that there was resistance within the Trump administration to allow Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris to get the presidential daily briefing, which is essentially sort of a – a cliff notes of all the threats around the world uh, and problems around the world. I mean, it, it sounds like a terrifying document. I mean, it's like my worst nightmare, right? It's like everything yeah. that can and, and, and will go wrong, but is very important, obviously, for someone who's coming into the presidency to see. You don't really want to just land on January 20th at 12.01 and be like, hey, uh, here are all these problems. Um, so that got resolved, though it was a little bit of a showdown, which, again, is ridiculous. And yeah, I think... That at this point in the Trump administration, the people left are the absolute loyalists. And the reason for that is that's who he's put into these jobs. I mean, he's he's fired and gotten rid of the Secretary of Defense, the head of the FBI. The, you know, I mean, he's gotten rid of so many people that he has now installed people who are sort of the, the dead enders, the people who are there until the end, right? The guy right. who waved right. to Nixon as the helicopter was taking off from the White House after he resigned, right? Like, that's... Who's left? And those people are partisans. I mean, these people are not lifetime career government officials. And so they are, as a result, fighting this like crazy, which is, again, a huge break with the way everything has always been done. You know, we pat ourselves on the back all the time uh, for this peaceful transition of power. Uh, that is happening, but it is sort of, uh, it is more herky-jerky than ever before. It is, it's remarkable, and I'll get you out of here on this and your thoughts on this. Um, to me, this is absolutely remarkable. There is a new president coming in, and, and I don't think 
I don't think he could get 10 minutes on a show if Trump were available. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I no, mean, Trump I, is Trump is he's larger. Uh, he's just so and, much larger. And, and you know this, too, from your your many years in TV. Trump is in in many ways the ideal TV guest yep. in that he's yep. radically unpredictable. People know who he is. He's 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 he, he can he will do and say anything and he makes for great TV. He is. You cannot take your eyes off of him. Now, that doesn't mean you love him. Some do. That doesn't mean you hate him. Many oh, if, do, if he bought but, his own television network and installed himself on from eight to ten every single night, he would be the highest rated thing yep, in television. Without a question. It's like watching just, a car crash. Yeah. You, you, you just it, you, you have no idea what comes next you have no idea what he will say or do and that is watchable and joe biden ran a campaign effectively on sort of returning to boring like yeah. hey you guys wanted a big change you got one you didn't like that very much did you uh let's go back to me who is a guy who's not going to ruffle feathers who's not really going to rock the boat and i mean that was his campaign so of course he is going to be totally different and that's why trump will continue to draw attention because guess what his entire life has been focused on drawing attention he yeah. is good at it he's great Rather, at you, it. you you he's can hate him it. but you can he's acknowledge good. he is very good at getting attention and doing things that draw eyeballs to him thank which you is Chris. what i want my legacy to be well you're going to be on this show a lot more because we need you so thank I'm, you Chris. hey i i uh, as much as I joke, I wanted to say it was really nice to to hear Gary on the show. Even Gary, yeah. even Gary. I, uh, no, you know, I, I know, I mean, I, and and I again. Obviously, Gene I, mean, I didn't. Is my I didn't make some. But, I didn't make any critical mistake. What I, what I tried to I do was to the show change anyway. it. I still like yeah. it. I mean, I I have no. I, I I'm I'm always happy because people occasionally send me on Twitter like. What did you do to piss Tony off? And I'm like, well, I nothing. Don't, I mean, I'm not Zero. sure. Be myself, well, no. possibly. Right. I said, I don't yeah. think it's that. I think, you know, look, it's a big transition. Everyone, we're still trying to figure out that the show it. was built on us sitting four feet from one another yes, yes. for two so, hours. So when that becomes not plausible, at least at the moment, you know, mm. you got to adjust. On, right. on that note, Chris. Um, Thank you, who Chris. Is this? Who is this? Chris, this is Nigel. What are you doing? Mm, I want to ring a bell. I wanted to take you out for breakfast and talk about your future. <laughs> Very yeah, we just need thing. to go to a crowded restaurant, sit in the middle of the room. Yeah. No big deal. Just don't cause a scene. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> hey, thanks, Tom. Chris Saliza, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, we will come back with Michael Wilbon, who's in Arizona at the moment, enjoying himself, I trust. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Wonder Woman 1984 read. You can experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max, now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch, The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials, and so much more. I take it that HBO Max is sort of separate from HBO it's like it, it generates its own shows, maybe. I mean, yes, I don't that, know. There's some original programming on it, but right. all the programs that you love, like The Sopranos, The Wire, all they're those, all there I too. Believe, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's added right. value. So go to hbomax.com and download the app to sign up and start streaming today. And part of the deal is you get this movie that that is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Wonder Woman 1984 is is one of those movies that if it were just in theaters would make a bunch of dough. I assume. Yes. Right? I mean, the, the production values in these movies are huge. All right. Uh, HBO Max. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Fair. It's from an album called Black Box by a group called The Dark Horse. Rashid Tyre, or Rashid Tyree, it's T-Y-R-E, I think it's probably Tyre, calls himself the Dark Horse, which is good, and he writes, Fair is pretty much summed up by its chorus. To let her go is to love her, wish her well in the arms of another. To let her go is to be fair. A song about what some folks would call closure in the aftermath of a romantic relationship. Um, it's Again, the release is Black Box. You can get it on all the things, including beholddarkhorse.bandcamp.com. It's available early next year, and early next year is in about three days. So it's available pretty much tomorrow. Uh, Michael Wilbon joins us from his 
car in Arizona, you are in your car for for reasons of keeping the family asleep inside, I assume? Exactly. Okay. That's so it. Did, That's it exactly. did you no other no other no mysterious reasons other than that. So did you are uh, did you start your car so that we come through the car speaker as opposed to just holding the phone in your ear, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All right. How is uh, like what is so it's six o'clock in the morning now as we talk mm-hmm, a little bit after mm-hmm. six in Arizona. Mm-hmm. What does it look like at that hour? Is it still dark at six in the morning in Arizona like it is God, here? Yes. Okay. Yeah, another hour and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have the beautiful, bright, um, almost full moon? It's full moon tomorrow. Do you have it? I saw ours today. Um, you know what, Tony? It's it's a rare. Uh, I think it's supposed to be a, a fairly rare cloudy morning. Although it doesn't, it's, oh. it's not. It's not completely overcast, but we there was even a threat yesterday, a talk of rain. Wow! Which of course, out here sends people into either a frenzy or just a grateful. Uh, attitude because, you know, w- when I was here last a couple weeks ago, we had gotten to like 111 days or something like that consecutively without rain. Wow. Now, I, it's a I desert. think it has rained. Yeah, I know it's rained since I left while I was back in D.C. for a couple of weeks. But, I, but I, I, you know, I don't I think if, if, the, if the chance passes today, who knows? We could go another I think another two weeks without any other rain. So okay, there's well, a storm. The whole country's got a storm going through it, but and it's snow in Flagstaff. It's snow six, seventy miles north of here. It's supposed to get like four inches, but not, not of course here in the valley. All right, let's go to things near and dear to your heart, uh, particularly that Northwestern is now a basketball power. I don't know how this has happened. Nobody knows how this has happened. But you went to see them uh, play Ohio State, and they beat Ohio State. What what's going on at Northwestern? Tony, I, I think I texted you during one of these things. We, we're three and zero in the Big Ten. It's just funny. We're we're just we're, we're we're texting and emailing each other the standings in the Big Ten. I think we're the only three and zero school. I think, and you, and but this is crazy. There are so ten Big Ten schools, either nine or ten. I guess it's nine. Nine of the fourteen Big Ten schools are ranked in the top twenty-five. Um. So it's not like, look, everybody's going to just, it's going to be jumbled. I mean, to get through that is going to be a maze and nobody's going to be undefeated for long. We, we play Iowa. Our next game is playing against like, I don't know, eighth or ninth ranked Iowa. You're and, ranked and 19th, so aren't you? You're ranked yeah. 19th. Yeah, we are. Like you're ranked. We when are. was the last time you were ranked? Uh, the year that we got to the tournament. Or wow. maybe coming right out of the chute. The following year, but we had no home court because we were redoing our, our court, as you remember. So we had to play all our games elsewhere. Um, so it's been like three years. It's been a while. But I think I texted you, our, my dear friend Larry Irvin, who you know was Northwestern. Yeah. Um, we, when we got ranked, Larry texted out, what did we, what, what did we do, go to a jock school? I mean, now, That's you know, what, so we're, we're, football. we're playing the Big Ten championship in football and, and, and undefeated in in the Big Ten at, at 3-0, and now again, you know, it was obviously tongue-in-cheek. But I don't think – and our, our women are ranked and they're defending Big Ten champions in basketball. So Well, we, it, uh, what, know, what interests me about to- this – I am interested in this regard, and I don't know that this happens everywhere. I know a lot of people go back to coach at their alma maters. I understand that. You don't have that in the case of the basketball coach. But you have two people – in the two biggest sports, basketball and football, who grew up in Chicago, they are totally yeah. local. Chris Collins and Pat Fitzgerald, totally local. What do you make of that? Well, Tony, we thought it was necessary to some degree. You know, Fitz, Fitz was only hired after the tragic death of the previous coach at 54 yeah. years old. And then Fitz ascended as a crazy young assistant coach, I don't know, 34, 35, something like that. And then with, 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 with Chris Collins, um, Chris grew up a lot closer to campus than Fitz did, even though Fitz is an alum. Chris Collins grew up like in Glenview, where my brother Donald was like six miles away from campus. And it, it, we thought we, we, needed a, we needed people who understood the place. You want to get the best coaches you can get. But part of that best coaches you can get, part of that equation is people who understand the nature of this place, which is different, which is not a power, athletic power. 
uh, understood some restrictions, understood some quirkiness, understand, understood just sort of what it was like to be in and around the premises. And Chris understood that even if he, you know, and plus he had the private school experience, both attending Duke and then coaching. Yeah. As assistant under, under a Chicagoan, Mike Krzyzewski. That Mike Krzyzewski, that's by right. The way, we've been blessed by Mike. Mike loves that. We haven't had to be in conflict with Mike. <laughs> Mike loves that Northwestern's having this because he grew up there too. So, so, it, so know, it's, it's a very homey, <laughs> a very homey thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still like we're on a high right now. It's very nice. Not only that, but your, your professional football team, Mitchell Trubisky, is suddenly yeah. good. And you could make the playoffs and you cannot. There's no way Matt Nagy will be fired. There's just no way now. That's what do right. you make of all this? That's is Foles right. done? Look, is I, Foles done? Well, there was, well there was, yes, Foles, is, Foles has been done. Um, well, once they had to go back to Trubisky, and he won even one game, I, I thought, okay, well. And then and Foles just isn't the answer. And he, even Nagy has to know that. I mean, of course he, he knows it, even though he brought him in to replace Trubisky and never wanted to coach Trubisky in the first place. Right. It's apparent to everyone. Now, they gotta, we got to play the Green Bay Packers, Tony. That, right. that is not – Tough. And, and by the way, all, all, that, all, that, all that my uh, little son talked about all week is that. The Packers can wrap this up. And they don't have, they're not going to play all their guys. They're not going to play all their mm. starters. It just shows you well, how the fear of the Packers among Bears fans starts at like, you know, four years old, starts in the crib. He didn't want to play, you know, we can't, you know, we can't, they can't play all their people. Well, they have to win. The Packers to get the number one seed. They do. All those games, Tony, are at the same time. They're all at one o'clock Eastern. And so you can't know what you need to, you know, you, it's not like, oh, they're going to play on, you know, somebody's going to play Thursday night, somebody's going to play Sunday, and they can already – no, 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 no. The Packers have to go into the game thinking they have to win, which means they have to play their people, and the Bears have to play their people, and who knows what that means. But even I, I really, a respectable loss to the Packers will keep them employed. Yeah, I really like that the NFL does that. And, for example, they flexed Washington in at night because that game is absolutely critical. The, if Washington wins, it doesn't matter what happens oh, with Dallas and the Giants. The, uh, the Sunday night. Game. It's Sunday night mm -hmm. game. I mean, the, the NFL is very smart about this, about making sure that you don't get to sit and wait and watch what somebody else does so that you don't have to play hard. They're good about that. They yeah. know what they're, they know what they're well, doing. When it, can, when, it, when, it, when it can be affected, yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you – now, we are one week to go. You have always been one of those people who has said, hold on a second about Kansas City. I know that they look like they're great, but I'm not ready to concede anything to them yet. They continue to right. win by very small margins. Is there another team in the AFC? Is there another team other than the Packers in the NFC where you say, I think that this is the eventual winner? No, I think, I think that those look like the eventual winners, but I don't think this is some lock I, for either team. I mean, right. I, look, I know the Packers look great. The Packers look better right now than Kansas City. And I don't – the Packers defense, I, you know, I don't know. But they can play well enough. They've gotten better. Kansas City, I don't mind narrow victories. Although Atlanta, beating Atlanta by the skin of your teeth is they still the, the, the field goal, if the field goal is good, they're in overtime. It's a 38-yard yeah, field yeah. goal. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I don't think it's automatic. I think Buffalo could beat Kansas City. Um, I, 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 as I look around the AFC, I'm going, eh, I don't know if anybody else strikes me as able to do that. Um, but certainly, but Buffalo does. But, but, the, but my point, I think, Tony, in questioning both those number one seeds, and, and the bye week will help Kansas City, I think. I think they could come out and just be murderers row again after the week off and the narrow victories. I just think it's, it's a more open tournament. Like, I, I think either one of them could lose to, in, in, to anybody. Because See, the Packers, I, I, who would the Packers face in the, in the, when they come back? I, I haven't looked at the brackets enough. They can't lose to Washington or New York. But could they lose to the Bears? Yeah, they could. Well, oh, wait. Yeah. So, so I look at the NFC. I concede that it's going to take a really great effort by a team, maybe Buffalo, maybe even Baltimore, 
you know, to, to beat yeah. Kansas City. But on the other side, I've watched New Orleans lose badly. I watched Green Bay get crushed by Tampa Bay. And then I watched yeah, Tampa Bay get yeah. crushed. You know, so over on that side, yeah. I, I could not with any confidence pick one team. I honestly could not. No, you know, I, I mean, Seattle gets hot, they win. It's Seattle's yeah. good enough to yeah. win. Even They are. So. You don't have to get hot. you got to have one game. Is, are, the, are the Seahawks right. capable with, you know, that coach and that quarterback? Of having a great game, yes, oh yeah, sure. And so I don't. And so of course Tom Brady is. I don't know about the coach, but Brady certainly can just take a team to a win at any time. Yeah. And yeah. so yes, Baltimore and Buffalo can beat Kansas City. I again, could I see Kansas City finding itself, you know, with a week off and 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 and, and rest? Yeah, I, I could see that. But I could also see the other. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of fun and one just one by one team getting to buy I think contributes to that as well obviously Tony I think there's some because you don't have fans in the stands and you don't have the usual home field advantage it hurts some team yes but it also hurts Kansas City because Kansas City in my opinion having been to every one of the stadiums involved I haven't been to Minnesota but they're not involved and I haven't been somewhere else that's not involved Kansas City has the greatest home field advantage, I believe, of any team, I'm thinking this through, of any team in the playoffs. But Buffalo, but it's been 15 years or whatever. I think it's, I actually thought it was Seattle was the loudest outdoor place I've ever been. I'm sorry, I'm I'm at the AFC first. Okay, okay. I think it's Kansas City in the AFC, and yes, yes, Seattle. Seattle Seattle and Green Bay. I mean, Seattle and Green Bay in the NFC. You know, so it hurts them not to play with their full advantage at home. They have home field, yes. Does it matter? Yes. Anybody who doesn't think it matters, all they got to do is look toward that snow the other night. <laughs> Absolutely. The just did, they, Tennessee had no real chance going into that game. What will the conditions be? You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I think either one of those teams could lose. I, I, we could wind up sounding crazy, Tony, in a week. We can wind up sounding nuts um, if, if they get their stride and look like one seeds. But I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. I'll get you out of here on this. We will not have time to talk about it, and we will not talk about it on television because we're just not going to be on. Um, the first round of the college playoffs is this Friday, New Year's Day. I'm assuming that, like me, you think that Alabama and Clemson will win? I'm, I'm certainly presuming Alabama will win. I don't know about Clemson. Right. Okay. Um, I think that I think that that you can you can be look. Dabo Sweeney is supremely confident in his team, but he put a big bullseye on his back. He did when he ripped the really, Big Ten. You know, and Ohio yep. State is not you know just some mo. I mean, That's, Ohio State's yeah. got a ton of guys who are going to play on Sunday too. Right. And I mean, whatever resources Coach Day has to call upon to get that team angry and keep them angry and you never keep them angry for a month because bowl season is normally like a month after the last game you get to the you get to the two two weeks now you Just know two it's, weeks. it's two weeks and mm. so it's a bye week is all it is and i you know i mean i know it's, it's going to be called an upset i'm not sure what the line is but i i may just ride with the buckeyes and people can say well that's self-serving okay fine I may just ride with the Buckeyes to, to, to win that game and play Alabama in the final. Okay. All right, we'll talk to you during the week. Thank you, Michael. Yep. All right, Tom. Thanks. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with a news segment with Gary Braun and Gene McManus and Nigel and me, and we'll do that. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. <clears throat> this is the Simply Safe ad. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security offers uh, award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors; you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them the most. Now, of course, they do have an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home, but that's only part one. Part two is delivering people to help you. You can set the thing up in about 30 minutes. It's super easy if you're Michael Kornheiser. And if you have a studio, uh, I have neither of those. Then Simply Safe's <laughs> professionals take over, <coughs> monitoring your home 24-7, ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. So it's a two-part deal. 
its protection and its service. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. Right now, listeners to this high-quality podcast get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/tony. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit Simply Safe S A S I M P L I simplysafe.com/tony for your free security camera today. Don't be stupid like Saliza. Use the code simplysafe.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Colin McGuire from a Maryland band called Double Motorcycle. And he writes, we've been lucky enough to have our music featured on your show a couple of times before. We have a new album filled with sad piano songs coming out on New Year's Day. Recently released a video for this song, Years Gone By, and featured on it is our friend Luna, tremendous singing voice. You can find us on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, yada, yada. What I really want to get to is that I know Phil Kaminsky, whose music you played a few times on your show not too long ago. I love that guy. I thought instead of sending him a congratulatory text after hearing his music on the podcast, sending in a new song of ours while dropping his name in this email might be just as well. So I like that. Again, this is called Years Gone By. It is double motorcycle. You can listen to these songs in their entirety without me yapping at the end of the podcast. Nigel, if people want to send us our music, how do they do it? Yes, please send us your original music uh, to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. Again, we ask that it be your music, not a cover of something, not your friend's band. You, If you are going to do that, then have them email us as well with their permission. But we'd love to hear from you. We love playing your music. All right, we're going to do a news segment. Nigel is uh, is finding all the stories that we have, and then we're all going to talk. Go ahead. Well, in a scene I can only imagine played out like this, Mr. Tony, uh, head coach Ron Rivera probably said, all right, anybody who thinks they're playing with us the final week of the season, <laughs> take one step forward, Dwayne, not so fast. That's right. Uh, uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins has been released one day after he's benched in that horrible loss to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and hours after he was demoted behind a player signed to the practice squad just less than a month ago. I believe a guy who, uh, who was trying to go back to school and somebody said, well, hold off on that. Well, you might have an opportunity to play with the Redskins. I'm sorry, with the Washington football team. And uh, and now that is the case. Yeah. So Shad sends this hikes. Yeah, Shad yeah. sends this haiku. Stripped of captaincy, begat stripped of ball, begat stripped of his chances. Um for all those people who wrote all of these columns for such a long time, how Dwayne Haskins didn't get a real chance. He did. He got a real chance. He screwed it up on the field and off the field. The only reason they didn't cut him sooner is because they had to play him. They didn't know about this other guy. You know, I didn't know somebody else was available. Jeannie, this is, uh, he's a local kid. I, I don't want to overestimate it and say it's tragic because it's at his own hands. But he may very well have tubed his entire professional career with bad behavior. Yeah, it's such a cautionary tale, not just for him, but for the Redskins or the Washington football team organization, which has a long history of lousy draft picks and lousy free agent signings. Yep, yep, yep. Because of a arrogant owner full of hubris who thinks he knows more than people in football. I don't feel sorry for Haskins. Remember, early on, he was taking selfies on the sidelines in the middle of a game that they... So the clock's still running. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it is a cautionary tale, but boy, he, he, he put the anchor right on his head and went down. And uh, Gary, what do you uh, think? Well, uh, I, I agree with, with Jeannie that this is at his own hand, but but it's not fair, I think, to say it is completely. I mean, it was he was it, it was a bad situation he entered, and and by that I don't simply mean that it was the Washington Football Team, but he was the pick that that he he. The, so if you remember, I mean, it seems like a hundred years ago, but Jay Gruden was the lame duck coach here, didn't yep. want him. The pick was made forced upon the team and the coach by the owner. The coach then left. The new coach immediately got here and said, we're having a competition. I mean, he, he was never going to succeed here. Um, and, he, and he made sure of that, certainly. I'm not trying to paint him as the victim. Well, I, here, I disagree the, with that. I mean, I think he could have been Justin Herbert. I don't believe he was never going to succeed. Well, the coach didn't I want I believe him. it's at his own hand. 
well, Rivera said we're going to have an open competition. He could have won it. He was playing against a guy with one leg. Yeah, he could have I mean, won it. I guess he, I guess he could have. But if he were that good, maybe he's not around for them to stretch at fifteen. And then remember, they so they take him at fifteen, and then everyone's going nuts, and they got to package a bunch of a picks to get up later in the first round and and get Montrez Sweat, who has played out for. I mean, it's just another another one of these errors that begets errors that begets errors. But him him leaving isn't a surprise. I mean, you and I talked about this last Wednesday or Friday or whenever the last show was, and we said he's going to be gone as soon as they don't need him. And they watched this kid Heineke play for a quarter and said, okay, we don't need him. (laughs) That's exactly right. Bye. Like, yes, uh, and, and, and in this particular case, this particular kid didn't even work hard. Ron Rivera, I think I'm right about this. Ron Rivera is the child of military parents and and he's a he was a good player on a great team in Chicago. I believe that he is and football is the most people don't understand this the most disciplined and academic of all sports. If you don't work hard, your teammates don't want you around. Mm-hmm. They don't. You 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 have not heard a single guy say, "Whoa, this is terrible. This guy's a great player." You haven't heard it, right, Gene? Haven't heard it. He came in. Rivera came in and said, "This locker room needs." discipline. You could tell that Jay Gruden was cruising in his final months with the team. And, you know, the other thing about the Washington football team, they didn't do due diligence on Haskins. They never even called Urban Meyer and said, give us a lowdown on this young man. Well, this this is my point, Gene, because they had no intention of drafting him until he was there and the owner said, give me the Bullis kid. My kid played with him or something like that. I mean, it was was preposterous. It's totally ridiculous. All right, new story. Go, Nigel. <laughs> right. Uh, to baseball, Mr. Tony. It appears as if the San Diego Padres are making a play to be the team to beat in next year's baseball season. They've made trades for Blake, um, I'm sorry, Balake Snell and uh, Hugh Darvish to fortify their starting rotation. They, are, they, of course, already have guys like Machado on that squad. Um, so, yeah, so some very – very aggressive moves by them. By the way, you'd asked me before the show who the owner was. Their owner yes, is the owner? Peter Seidler, who is the grandson of Walter O'Malley, the nephew of Peter O'Malley. And uh, in just November 18th of this year, Major League Baseball approved the transfer of the role of chairman from one bloke to Seidler, who now um, is the largest stakeholder in the team. Well, I guess he's got a lot of money because they've spent a lot of money. They spent a lot of money on Machado. They're going to have to spend a lot of money on Tatis Jr., um, they're going to, uh, Blake Snell is going to cost them money. You Darvish costs them a lot of money. They're suddenly very, very good. It's like almost scary. Good. Mike Clevenger, they traded for, he's out with Tommy John, but he will be back at some point. They're really good. I mean, you look, you know, we all sort of look at the Nats and the Nats made a very nice trade to get Josh Bell, but this is a big impact thing for San Diego. What do you, what do you make of this, Gary? Uh, I think based on what we saw here a few years ago, you put enough good pitchers out there and you give yourself yeah. a chance. So um, that appears to be what they're doing. Now, Darvish is getting up there in age, isn't he? I don't think – I wouldn't guess he's more than 30. I wouldn't okay. – I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, like but Darvish – I to look it up. But Darvish he's is 34. a – He's 34. Oh, he's then he's older than I thought. But he's yeah. a Cy Young quality pitcher. Blake yeah, Snell's sure. already won the Cy Young. I sure. mean, it just Blake Snell. Blake Snell may have won a World Series if they left him out there. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he. Do you think that Tampa Bay has no money? They they really operate on no money. Do you think that he went to them and said, "Look, I can't play for this guy anymore. Just get me out of here. It's okay. <laughs> Send me wherever you, you want." You know, but this, this is what I love about the Rays is that they do something like this. They unload the guy with the big contract, yeah. and then they get sneaky. Sneaky good by having yes. young, talented players. And so, you know, am I intimidated by the Padres now? Yes. But yeah. I kind of love to see the Rays do this again with their low budget. The Rays are smarter than other teams, precisely about what you're saying, yeah. that they unload guys that you think you can't live without, and they're always in the mix. They're in the mix with the Red Sox and the Yankees, who have more money than anybody, and they have no money. Yeah, They're always there. They're really, they're really well yeah, run. Smart. Well run. What else? Well, you mentioned the trade for Josh Bell by your Washington yeah. National. What does that mean for Ryan Zimmerman? Now, Zimmerman opted out 
of the season this year, but he has said that he would like to return uh, to the Nats for uh, for his 16th big league season next year. Uh, Rizzo, Mike Rizzo, the general manager, said the acquisition of Bell isn't going to prohibit us from looking for a good right-handed hitter that comes off the bench and plays multiple positions. We still haven't ruled out a Zim reunion. Would you like to see Ryan Zimmerman back on this squad? Is Josh Bell, he's a right-handed hitter, right? He's a right-handed hitter, which is why, why Rizzo switch, would talk switch, about having he's a switch. He's a switch hitter. Oh, he's a switch hitter. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, I'd like to. Zimmerman is willing to play for probably a million, two million dollars. He's not going to cost a lot of money. I assume he's a pretty good clubhouse guy because you never heard anybody say, get this guy out of here. And he's been there 15 years. I would think that that would be an. Gene, wouldn't that be an attractive person to keep on the team if you could uh, to get Zimmerman? National, but, and also, you know, this trade really reminds me of the Adam Eaton Giolito trade. You know, it seems very comparable that you're yeah. giving up this young, talented pitcher. This could backfire on the Naps. You know, th- these guys could win the Cy Young in five years. But, but for, for winning next season, I really like this trade. Zimmerman's not going anywhere else. I mean, yeah, he, nobody, you know, just, he, just like your doctor, you give him some meaning. He can like do a, a year in honorarium or something. You know, he'll come for some minimum amount, and and he's a good guy to have around. I mean, if 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 he wants to be here, I feel like they got it. They should find the money to get him here. I just I would take I, I would take exception with with calling it a reunion, which I think is what Mike Rizzo did because theoretically, while he wasn't on the team, he's still in that last year. He just opted out. I would say that that when you've lost Howie Kendrick. And you've lost Adam Eaton, who seem to be big personality guys. Yeah. That that you have a chance to keep Zimmerman. It doesn't cost you a lot of money. I think you do it. I think that would make people completely happy. Agree. Yeah. I think and he, and he would happy. do it. And he would do yeah. it. You get so, the sense. Okay. What else? Uh, Mr. Sto- uh, Mr. Tony, we get used to things closing down, particularly here in the pandemic. Some things have been open for longer than others. Some things have been open since the 1700s, and we find out they closed. This is not because of the pandemic. Talking about White's Ferry, which started shuttling passengers across the Potomac River in 1786. And just recently, after a dispute over land use uh, on one side of the crossing, uh, they have decided to close down operations indefinitely. Did, it, did either of you ever go on this thing? I never went on it. Did you ever go on it? I love White's Ferry. I love White's Ferry. And here's why. When my sister in California would land at Dulles Airport at 3.30 in the afternoon, instead of having to turn around and get on the Dulles Toll Road and then on the Beltway in bumper-to-bumper traffic, I would drive counterintuitively toward White's Ferry, take the ferry across, be in northern Montgomery County, be in my living room in 35 minutes instead of an hour and 35 minutes. Yeah, so my, you've actually been on this thing? Many, you've been on it? How can they have a land dispute? The thing has been going for 200 years. How can there be a land the dispute? Virgi- I think it's on the Virginia side. I, I Tony, yeah. too, have been on it countless times. Really? I mean, my, my brother wow. lives in River Creek, which is in Leesburg, and my parents owned a um, owned sort of like a weekend cabin out in Waterford, which is out that way. And I've been on it literally dozens of times. And, and to Jeannie's point, Loved it. It's so great. I mean, this is an old school ferry from from Civil War era, almost as Nigel was saying, where you just sort of drive on this big floating platform. And and for years, a guy would literally just pull this cable that was that was stretched across the river to pull the thing across. And in recent years, obviously, it's been motorized and was and was cheap and reasonable, you know, three dollar fee or something to cross the river. It would hold what, maybe 20 cars, Gary? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking f- 15, 20 cars. Well, how, and how long did you have to wait after well, you d- drove d- up? It depends, Mr. Tony. I mean, for you, probably, you could probably <laughs> get the screw them pass and get right to the front of the line. But but there were times you uh, would have to wait. You'd get there right as it was pulling away. And even if you're f- first in line, you're waiting 15 minutes because it's got to go across the river and come back. But you're sitting essentially waterfront, staring at staring at the river. How it's long a, pretty, a trip is it? Is it like an oh, hour? Three is it- minutes. Five oh, that's all? Memory. Yeah. Well, why it's, did they shut this down? Why would you do that? It's at a well, beautiful stretch of the river, too, I will say. Yeah, get on that ferry, you look each way, and, and it, you just cannot believe you're 30 miles from Washington, D.C. It's I mean, like you're in the middle of the world. Gene, that wasn't far from your old place, was it? No, I mean, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Gary. I'd 
get off in Montgomery County and I'd be home in 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. I'm surprised, Tony, you never get... Did you ever play Raspberry Falls, the golf course? Yes, I did. Okay, Raspberry Falls is two minutes from the ferry. That's the Gary Player design, Raspberry Falls. I've played that. Yeah. No, no, but I've never... I've I've heard of White's Ferry. I've never been on it. Tony, you would never get on it. No, you wouldn't. It it combines things you don't like. I mean, do you really want to be in your car on a boat? No, yeah, just, I, I'm, I'm I don't want to be Because that is the one thing about the ferry, like our, our littles who listen in Seattle, this isn't those ferries. I mean, you get in your car and you stay it, in your car and they're packed like sardines and a dude just walks up between the cars and you roll it's down so your window. Great. This is, what other show gives you local ferry traffic talk. like this? Yeah. It's so good. All right, Nigel, yeah. give us one more story and get us out. All right. I'm going to give you a story from down in Florida where we, we love to get our news stories. Um, and I, I can only file this under the category of this is going to be a terrible idea. We know, we know one of the biggest problems facing Floridians is these Burmese pythons that have essentially taken over the entire Everglades. I could read you the numbers of, of all the mammal species that have been essentially wiped out by these Burmese pythons. But we'll talk about this new weapon that Florida has decided they're going to employ to curb this invasion of this species. And that is dogs, Mr. Tony. These uh, detector dogs. Now, detector dogs can be used for a variety of things. They, as they say in this piece, well, they can be used to discover, discover bombs or, or drugs or bed bugs yep. or sea turtle nests. And in this case, Burmese pythons. And they took two dogs named Truman and Eleanor. Tr- Tr- Truman and Eleanor. Truman is a black Labrador and Eleanor is a poinsettia. And they trained them for a month using a poinsettia. I thought that was a wreath. I thought that was a wreath. Poinsettia is what it says. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not a flower. It's not a plant yeah. in, a, in a black Labrador. Um, yeah. So they train them. As they say, they, well, we train them for a month. I'm sorry. They train them for a month. I would think this type of training for dogs would take years and years. And even then I wouldn't feel safe about it. So they take these dogs out after a month in training. And they, they, when they spot a python, they get to within three feet of it. Then apparently they're supposed to notify one of the human handlers. When they smell it, I, you said when they spot it, I assume they're trained to smell them. Smell them. Because well, yeah. otherwise you would, you would want an eagle. If you how, do they avoid, how do they avoid being eaten by the pythons? Well, that's, that's the thing they don't really talk about. They say when the, when the, the, the python is spotted, um, yeah. it, it gives a signal to its human handler. Then the human handler rewards them with some sort of... Um, Here's your tennis ball, boy. Right. It says with a recognition response, the dog and handler then back away from the area, clearing the way for the biologist to pinpoint the exact location they can safely catch and remove the python from the wild. I'm expecting that within days of this, and by the way, they've already caught one eight-foot python and they're you know beating their chest. And, oh, yeah, this is a brilliant idea. I can only imagine that in February we'll talk about all the dogs that have been one. eaten by pythons. I, th- I think this I've is- read there's an estimated like two or three hundred thousand pythons in the yes. in the Everglades. Really? Which are, which are, yes, oh. which are not native to it. <clears throat> can I ask the obvious question here, which is, what do you mean you'll trap it and remove it and take it somewhere else? Shoot it. <laughs> Shoot it. That's just what I was going to say. Right? I mean- I'm all for Mother Nature, but why would you want to safely trap a pipe? Yeah, what are you nuts? No, crazy. Yes, treat these things like murder. Maybe they'll have it be governor. (laughs) That governor's nuts, DeSantis. He's a wild guy. All right, that's good. That was a good news segment. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye. That's good. All right, we'll get out of here, and uh, we'll come back with email and jingle. That was very good. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of It's Tim Wildsmith. That's lovely. Always like when we play that. Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please. Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you in the Washington, D.C. area. Then stop on in and you will be thrilled. All right. That'll just about do it for us today. Um, let me. I'm going to get to the things that Nigel has written afterwards. Let me thank the guests. Uh, Loomis Chafee's own crystallism, Michael Wilbon, Gary Braun. Gene McManus, let me say thanks to our sponsors today. Simply Safe and HBO Max, where you can now watch Wonder Woman 1984. 
And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. What Nigel was going to have me say is I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the real thing. We got an email a couple of weeks ago from Joe Ponish in Austin, Texas, who said, I recently finished watching Mad Men. It features at one point that Coca-Cola commercial with the people around the world singing I'd like to buy the world a Coke. I read a book on the history of the company, and I remember seeing multiple best commercials of all time programs on TV that had a rank number one. I even saw it in the Smithsonian on my last visit to Washington, D.C. I'm a millennial, and according to Wilbon, I have no conception of the past, and my dad was as square as they get, so I can't ask him. I was wondering why exactly this commercial is so well-regarded and important. It doesn't stick out to me as fabulous, but I imagine living through that time had something to do with its importance. I'd love to hear what you think about this commercial and what it meant to the culture at large. Thanks for all the great hours of entertainment. I, I mean, I just think, my sense is it was just so marvelously done. It had so many people, and it was so loving and lovely, and everybody loved Coca-Cola. And when you saw the ensemble, you just said to yourself, wow. That's a fabulous commercial, right? Is that your sense of it, Gary and yeah, Nigel? Yeah, the, the, the first yes. Benetton ad. Yeah, know, everybody like looked great. The, all, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, from all different races and creeds and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it, it just was a very feel good kind of thing, and it was even and, and by the way, a great subtly jingle. selling Coca Cola. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. And it was the yeah. the new Seekers originally did that song, and they took it out of that song from Allison Day. My mom is a little through and through. Not only has she been watching the show since the 2000s and listened to every episode of the podcast, she's also 5'5 five, five and a family of giants. Her daughter, me, is six feet. Her son is 6'1". Her husband's 6'2". Being from New Jersey, she shares your I-95 bias, even though she now lives as far away as you can get in Washington State. Despite her moves, she's still a diehard Giants and Mets fan. She constantly references the podcast. There are so many inside jokes the rest of us are oblivious to and would rate any food at the cheeserie that she could buy much higher than it would deserve. Probably chatter as well. I think she may love you more than her own kids at this point. There's no point to this email. I just wanted to say you brainwashed her and she loves you for that. From Allison, that's very nice. Perfect for the show. Uh, from Grant in Huntington, West Virginia. I bought my first Subaru yesterday. I figure anything which is the butt of your jokes must be worth looking at. Subaru has been the top-selling car here in West Virginia for the last 40 years. We buy them because we need to get up hills, not to display a faux outdoorsy while we are, uh, we are while we drive to a Whole Foods to pick up artisan brie and Chardonnay. When I drive it to D.C. to see my son, I will put my temporary prep school and college stickers to blend in. They don't get you anywhere in West Virginia, although I did put on my 82nd Airborne Division sticker on the advice of a neighbor who said I'd never get another police ticket. That doesn't seem to be foolproof, but it's amazing how many guys come up and talk about their military service. And Tony, don't go buying a Volvo because you think they're utilitarian. Listen to your son, Michael. They're code for boarding school elitist. Just ask a water polo player. You'll be fine if you keep to your 1983 Buick, whatever's the popular new car for men of your vintage. I think that's very good, don't you? I mean, I really do. I think yeah. that's good. Um, so from Peter Potke in Southington, Connecticut. Chuck Todd, and he quotes him, oh, man, I don't know. Um, uh, it's one of those situations. I would not commit real money. Give me, give me the, oh, boy, I don't know what to do here. Sir, please pick the chicken or the fish. Chuck Todd got crushed <laughs> this week. Uh, he was one and six. Jeff Oof. Ma was five and one. Chuck Todd, Reginald the monkey, two and one. Reginald now with a better record than Chuck Todd. Just a got killed. Yeah. From Tim Winkle. Tony, while I've enjoyed the show through this miserable year, the return of the regulars is a welcome relief. Just the other day when you were discussing the 41 inches of snow in Binghamton, I caught myself muttering, that's a Greg Oden situation to no one in particular. Now at least Gary can supply these insights himself. From RJ in Bronxville, New York, by way of Chicago. As someone who married into a Long Island family and is now a New York transplant myself, I'm fully aware that most people born and raised in a tri-state area believe that the continental United States pretty much ends when one reaches the western banks of the Hudson. When discussing mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence with Wilbon, you noted that the future number one overall pick was from Georgia, which according to your map is close to Jacksonville. It appears that Mr. Lawrence grew up in Cartersville, Georgia, which is some 400 miles away from the Waffle House capital of the world. Don't worry, my wife makes the same mistake all the time when she introduces me to people by saying, he's from Chicago, which of course, as you know, is close to Cleveland. Thank you for continuing to do the show through the year and now conveniently featuring less Saliza. Well, not today. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you and the entire galaxy of TK stars. I'm going to do one more. This is from Matt Ryan. Not that Matt Ryan. Matty Ice. 
I was hoping to share this 25th anniversary story with you on a day when my fellow to mid-late 40-something mates, Gary and Saliza, were in studio. Alas, who knows when that will happen. So here we go. 25 years ago, I was a student way up north at SUNY Plattsburgh. I know that well, right near the Canadian border. My final semester, I took a 12-credit non-broadcast industrial video class. For our final project, I was in a group of three others who were chosen to produce a sesquicentennial, that's 150 years, video for a local prison. It was an amazing opportunity. Long story short, one cold February day, we went up for a site survey. We toured everything from the prison cells and yard to the gorgeous church atop the hill at the complex. At one point on the tour, we heard in a loud voice someone say, prison transfer. We were all told to stand with our backs flush against the wall while prisoners went from point A to point B. We then watched, scared out of our minds, mind you, as a long group of men walked past us, some snarling. We were stunned when we saw someone we recognized. When they passed, the older superintendent leading the tour turned around and said with his eyebrows raised, hey, did you see Tupac? That's right, Tupac Shakur, one of the most famous people in America at that time, walked right past us. He was in for first-degree sexual abuse charges. Where were we? A little place called Clinton Correctional Facility, better known as Donna Mora, where my college roommate, David Carpenter, was a prison guard, located about 20 miles west of the college. We all had a great story to tell friends for the rest of our lives, and oh yeah, we got an A on the project, Edith Saliza. Isn't that amazing? That's cool. That is amazing. Totally amazing. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce Yes, there's George Parasol, <clears throat> Ringo Stone, and Paul McCharmley.
promise you I get a tattoo Every time, every night I'm coming home wasted It's a question, why can't you try? Some family a valley Levitating, hesitating, thought you didn't want to leave Thought you didn't want to leave Thought you didn't even want to try Coming home alone again Wonder what happened again Lose another friend again Every time, every night So you in the night again I don't wanna fight again so you're on the street again, coming home wasted. I thought you didn't want to wait. Thought you didn't want to wait. Thought you didn't mean to want to try. Thought you didn't want to wait. Thought you didn't want to wait. Thought you didn't need to want to take your time. Don't let it take your mind.